0: at greenlight.com slash ACAST.
1: Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have the great pleasure of having Leslie Berlin with me, who is the CMO and head of people at Twitter. Leslie, hi, and welcome to the show.
0: Hi, so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you
1: for joining me. I'm so excited to dig into so many different topics with you today, but why don't we start with you sharing a little bit about this dual role, how those two roles are different, but also how they come together.
0: Sure, sure. So I joined Twitter about a little bit longer than two and a half years ago, and I joined as a CMO. Uh, The company hadn't had a CMO uh, before, so it was actually a newly formed role for the company, um, which was extremely exciting and there was a lot of white space and an amazing talent across the company sort of just pull together and create uh, an awesome marketing organization. And about a, a year ago, I uh, was in conversations with Jack about this people lead role, um, which was really interesting because I don't have you know, formal, eight quote, HR experience in my background. I'd obviously, as a leader in different um, organizations, had worked very closely with HR, was involved in many different things. HR programs, et cetera, but obviously hadn't had experience in an HR organization before. So it was really interesting in the initial conversations. And I think what led us there was just because at Twitter especially, there is so much that interconnects when you think about the service and the company and our people. Um, you know, our people are uh, what make Twitter, Twitter they are brand ambassadors, they are tweeting about the company, there is an openness and transparency at the company that really has created just an invisible line, if you will, about uh, what's on the outside, what's on the inside, the feeling, the culture, the stories that we tell. There was a lot that was coming together as we thought about this that was really, really exciting and very interesting With any role, you know, what matters most is not necessarily the leader, but the people that you have on the team. So when we think about the brand of Twitter, we're having lots of conversations about the brand of Twitter as a place to work and how those things connect. Our purpose is now really, really clear. You know, we are here to serve the public conversation. It's been a really interesting journey. I've learned a ton. I'm still learning. There is just so much to embrace and to glean and to learn. And there's so much new in the world that's happening right now that impacts obviously Twitter and who we are and also our people. So it's definitely a journey.
1: Wow. Very, very fascinating and love what you're doing. I think it's definitely an important model for everybody to follow because, you know, you use the word outside inside and and I've frequently quoted this culture expert who says, if you can't sell it inside, you can't sell it outside, but it's so simple. It's so true, but it's very complicated to organize that. Like when you first took on this new incremental role, how did you think about that from an internal structure perspective and counterparts and, and how you organized around that?
0: Yeah. We brought in and formed a new leadership team, so I brought a leader in from the outside named Jennifer Christie, who came from American Express, who has a long, long experience in HR and long expertise. Candy Castleberry was our new, at the time, new head of inclusion and diversity. And then Sydney Howell, who does our standards and employee relations. So we, in that time, also pulled together just a, a strong and new leadership team. And so there was, and there still is a lot being built there. And then the marketing team, we I also recently brought on a VP of marketing named Brad Ramsey, actually joins us from Facebook, who's also been sort of structuring the teams and focusing the teams. So you basically have... What I have right now are just, first of all, amazing leaders. And I have a head of comms, Brandon Borman, who was also a a relatively new hire a couple months ago, who's awesome, joined us from Ancestry. Right now, I have a leadership team across that is really, really strong and really focused, has multifaceted experience. And what we're able to do is really focus in each area and prioritize. So what I didn't try to do in the beginning is start like melding and connecting marketing and comms and the people activities and initiatives together, because that was not what mattered most on the people side. What mattered most on the peaceful side were foundational programs that ran across compensation, learning and development, training that we really wanted to bolster and strengthen. And now we have the ability to really look at the things that I've talked about, um, that I was talking about earlier, which is the experiential piece of this, the events the conversations that happen happen internally, bringing our people more to the forefront and on the outside, telling stories about our people. So to me, I think what's most important truly is, is just the prioritization and focusing on what matters most, which at a company like Twitter, I mean, all companies it's critical, but especially Twitter, you know, there's always something happening. It is always on. It is very, very fast moving. It is always interesting, always challenging. But I think what it takes to be very successful at this company and to really make an impact is that not just like a what's most important this month and what's most important this week, it sometimes becomes a what's most important today, you know, what what matters most and where does my attention need to be tied to and be focused on. So it's just a massive shout to the leaders across my teams and across the company that, that really make this all possible.
1: Okay, so that was really helpful. Thanks for sharing how you, you've organized I'm torn on which way to go with you because I, 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 there's so many things in what you just said. But I, I want to go right back to something you said earlier, which was you said our purpose is to serve the public conversation. And in every one of the discussions I've I've had around purpose, I just had Jim Stengel on the show, you know, setting that vision, that North Star, defining what that is. Step one, so that everybody has something to unify underneath it. Yeah. Tell me about that process that you went through to, to identify, articulate, and now clearly you're activating against it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think there are a number of things that sort of locked into place, starting with Jack coming back to the company. That was about three years ago, was resetting and focusing on our identity and who we are as a company. So I think that what was interesting at the time, and of course, my coming in as the CMO, when you looked across all the research and looked across all the narratives, everyone described Twitter in a different way. You know, we were a megaphone, a stage, a water cooler, a public square. And that was some of the power of it and the magic of it is that it felt something a little bit different to different people. Um, But there was also confusion um, in the marketplace for especially people who didn't use Twitter. The people who knew Twitter and used Twitter loved it and knew exactly what Twitter was for. But when we did deep research on people who are obviously outside the company, but uh, who didn't use Twitter yet, they were confused. What the team and I looked at was, just, we had a simple question, which what is the key theme across all this research of when, when people don't use Twitter um, or when people do use Twitter, what do they say about us? And when we looked all around the world, the same thing popped again and again, which is people said, Twitter shows me what's happening. And they said it in different languages and they said it with different. Some people said, it shows me what's up or it shows me what's cooking or it shows me what's happening, but everyone had a flavor of, it shows me what's happening in the world. And when we talked to people who didn't use Twitter, there was just more confusion. It was, is this a social network? You know, do I have to tweet to be here? And, you know, there were just the gaps in the fundamental of like, how do I use this? And how should I think about you? So over, you know, a journey of a couple of months, we went out, you know, to the world at that time and just started turning on Twitter is what's happening and what people are talking about. You know, you open the app every day and it says, what's happening? (laughs) Um, Staring, it was staring everybody in the face. And so I think that was really, really clarifying at the time. So if you look at both our marketing and how we talk about the company and the service, it's really focused on exactly that. And over the past number of months, Jack has been really focused on on the purpose and clarifying the purpose for the company as well. Awesome. Okay. Well, I can't wait to dig into that.
1: Before we go there though, let's take a minute and and talk about your journey because this is such an exciting role that you're in, but did you ever think you would be in this role when you first set out on your career journey?
0: No, never. That's different points throughout my career. I got the, you know, what do you want to do in five years from now or where do you want (laughs) to be? And I always had the same, like, I have no idea. I'll know when I get there. No, I never set out to be anything specifically, which is probably maybe like really bad advice, but I never said, I want to be this or I even want this job at a certain point. It was more, I think, what drove me throughout my career from the very beginning was I wanted to make an impact. And I, I wanted to, like, sort of see my impact quite. Viscerally, and and in the world, or with teens or with employees, and you know, I loved projects that were challenging, that were gnarly, that most people would run from, were the ones that I was sort of drawn to. My major in college was public relations, and the beginning of my career was all um, PR. So I, I have a very untraditional path to have led me where I am, to be honest with you. Um, so I think it was just around those things that I described. I love working with teams. I love people. I love connecting with people. I love seeing a story being told, so I just throughout my career looked for those type of opportunities which presented new opportunities and which, with some amazing sponsorship, led me to where I am today.
1: Okay, awesome. I want to talk to you a lot about sponsorship actually because it's such an important variable for everyone, and yeah. I think people are afraid to ask for sponsors, and yet it's it's vital before we go there though, real quickly, like you spent almost ten years at Amex. Can you talk a little bit about why you took that on and then why you decided then to go from Amex to Twitter?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So and I'm going to try to do it in an abridged way. Before I joined American Express, I had been at PR agencies for my career and was in health specifically. So I spent most of my time on disease awareness. And I think it speaks to sort of what I was saying before, which is being drawn to Things that are meaningful and have depth to it, and are complicated, and there's sensitivity to it. You know, I was never drawn to sort of lighter type of brands or or projects or programs. I loved working with with physicians and with patients and third parties. So I really, really loved that work, and it felt like really, really meaningful work. Um, the opportunity at American Express presented itself, which sounds like a, a very big shift from where I was, but in many ways was was similar. Um, you know, both. Highly re- regulated, you think a pharmaceutical as well as financial services. Highly regulated, complicated. You know, there's a depth to it. You know, where we obviously Amex is a company that is, has credit cards, etc. But it, it felt like a service company, and it is at its core a service company. The company has amazing values, great leadership, great culture, great people, which is really why I stayed for 10 years. So what happened through my journey there? I had joined in a public relations role, evolved into a corporate communications role. And then a job opened that was called Online Communications, VP of Online Communications, VP of Online. I feel like I'm 100 years old. But (laughs) it it was both internal intranet and that type of work, but also, quote, social media, which was interesting because we weren't on social media at the time because they are a bank. But, you know, there was so much worry and concern and trepidation around tweeting or being on any social platform as American Express that I was like, put me in coach. I felt so strongly that this was going to change everything for the company and change everything for how we thought about the brand, how we connected with customers and frankly, how we operated internally so took that role and then i was actually the first tweeter when i was at amex which my career sort of has come full circle wow uh, yeah so it was um, but you know from there i developed a very strong relationship with the he was the chairman at the time then the president ed gilligan who was just an amazing amazing person he and i got connected through work that i was doing uh, around something called small business saturday which was an initiative to get people to shop small during the holiday weekends, which is something I was very much at the center of because it was the first time we as a company put social media at the center of what we did. And he and I built a really strong relationship, and he ended up bringing me into a role to be his direct report. So really long story short, that grew, and we spent a lot of time out west in San Francisco and, and built amazing relationships, did incredible things. Ed passed away suddenly and unexpectedly three years ago while I was at the company. Um, which was probably one of the hardest things I ever have dealt with in my life because I had worked for him for five years. We were extremely, extremely close. It was um, professional, but also deeply personal. It was a shock to the system, no, no question. Um, in every way, he took a risk on me. You know, I was in the comms team, then suddenly was in this partnerships team, reporting to the president of the company, sitting around a table with people who were much more seasoned, much older a lot of men and he really took a risk on me. And you know, I'm forever grateful for that. But when Twitter called, first of all, we had worked with Twitter. I'd worked with Twitter very closely. I loved, loved the people when I was on the Amex side, they felt like an extension of my team. It, it was so authentic. They were um, such heart and passion and I saw the power of the platform and certainly the opportunity to be the first, you know, CMO, the first person in that role. It felt challenging. It felt complicated. It felt mildly scary. And so I was immediately drawn to it. So it was, it was the first time that I said yes um, to any company in my 10 years at American Express. You know, no turning back. I'm so happy every day that that I'm here.
1: Wow, what an exciting story. And also sad. I'm I'm sorry for the loss that you you had to go through. And just speaks volumes to the character of the relationships that you were able to form in your career. And The sponsorship part, let's come back to that for a second. If you think about the impact that sponsorship had for you, what would you coach to other people who are listening in on how to establish those relationships or find a sponsor or organically develop that kind of a relationship?
0: Yeah, and I know so many people have such interesting views on this, especially around being very proactive and focused on sort of who you want your sponsor to be and how to cultivate it. I think for me, it it is more organic. To me, the work, it follows the work. And so I think the part that often um, we don't talk about when we have discussions like this, is just hard, hard work. Um, it is not easy. You often have to put in extra hours and extra time and extra focus to work on projects that are harder or that are potentially out of your specific role or that you go just extra miles to, to make it the best it can possibly be. And I think for me, when I look around, when I see people who have that passion and who have that impact and who have that care in their work, uh, leaders are drawn to them. Like leaders see that. I know I saw that when I joined the company. There were people at all levels. Um you know, some more seniors, some just starting out in their careers. And so you will see even people who are just starting out, when they have that fire and they have that commitment, it shines. And I think that those relationships really, really do happen organically. You know, I never looked at Ed Gilligan, the president of the company and said, I I need to get into his visibility or i need to set up time with him to to get on his radar i was just sort of like in my my world doing my thing working 24 seven with a newborn in my arms most nights. And, you know, just because I cared so much about this the company and making it amazing that things catch notice and people notice. So I, I think, I think they're both, that's my personal experience, but I do believe that there's certainly ways to build relationships and work on projects around people that you want to be your sponsor, or you want to mentor you. I just always advise like, focus on the work and really doing the best work you can possibly do with heart and and passion. And, and the rest does often come.
1: Absolutely. There's a lot of discussion around the difference between a sponsor and a mentor. I certainly have an opinion, but I'd love to hear yours. What, what do you think about the difference between the two?
0: Yeah. It's funny. When I think about mentorship, I also have like a little bit of a different view on this. I know there are formal mentors, right? Someone that you learn from, I have a mentee, but it's funny because I feel like I am learning probably more from him than he may be learning from me. Um, Stu Cornelius, giving you a shout. But I think to me, when I think of mentors, it's who are you learning from? And I lo- often learn from people who are um, not necessarily more senior than me or somebody who, who, who's above in some way. They're people who are my peers there are people on my team, there are people on different teams who are potentially just starting in their careers. So I like to look at mentorship in a much broader sense, only because so many of my learnings have come from people surrounding me um, versus in in a linear way. I'll also tell you, I think that I've learned a ton from leaders who aren't good. It's interesting what you can learn from a manager who's not great. Some of my best work uh, has been done in my past career from working from people who you you learn what you don't want to do and you start learning to how do you work with a situation or work around a situation uh, to, to still make amazing things happen even when there are certain limitations around you. So I know it's a long, a long answer to your question about just straight mentorship. I'm obviously very lucky that I have an amazing leader in Jack and I've learned so much from him and so much from, from his leadership team. But I just encourage people to keep their eyes open all around. And it's from people who you wouldn't necessarily think you should, quote, be looking up to. And I think sponsorship, you don't see it often, but when you see it extremely powerful, like I I definitely experienced it. I think with, with Ed, as I described, like as somebody who went like extra, extra, extra miles, and I felt took a risk in his own you know, role to, to do something extremely unconventional simply because he believed in me and simply because he felt that I was, you know, worth taking a risk on. So I think it takes a very special person to really be a true sponsor and to really try to shepherd somebody and really try to pull up a seat for that person in a way where you're really personally invested. So to me, when you call someone a sponsor, it's a really high bar in my definition of it because you're you're personally invested in that person. And we need to see a lot more of that.
1: We sure do. That was a great way to describe that. It's amazing when you were talking about your career trajectory and you said, I just wanted to make an impact. And now we're talking about sponsorship and supporting people. Not only have you been able to do that with the companies that you represent, but you personally did that in a big way earlier this year with CES. Can we talk about that for a minute?
0: Sure, yeah. Um, It was a group of us, so I never, it's like, you know, it's it's always people behind the scenes who are bringing this stuff to life. Yeah, you know, we saw the conversation that was happening. We saw the slate of speakers at CES being all men, and it just presented to us an opportunity where we could, to to exactly what you said, make an impact, and create a platform where we felt didn't exist. We had already planned everything that we were planning for CES. Um, Everything was locked and loaded. When we saw this, we were like, there are so many incredible women in technology in these industries that are forces of nature. If they're not going to get a stage here, we will create one for them with the space that we have. It was not hard finding these women. Um, There are lists and lists and lists of women. I think it's also just how you think about it. There are women who are earlier in their journeys who are forces in changing the game. There are women on the marketing side. There are women on the engineering side. There are, so that's why we had sort of the mix that we had in that group. We wanted it from every from every angle. So, you know, that is something that very much, it got a lot more visibility than we even anticipated, frankly. We just knew we wanted to create a stage for it to give the microphone over to these amazing, amazing women. We live streamed it millions and millions of views all over the world and people just coming to us wanting to create more of these events and of these panels, which we've done since then. Um, We did an event in Canada. We most recently did an event in Cannes with Kerry Washington and just hearing her voice was absolutely incredible. We're now looking at women who are younger, who are sort of up and coming, who are in different industries. But we love that the here we are message is just, it's so Twitter, right? It's unifying, it's people connecting together from different walks of life. From different industries. And it's something that very much resonated for us. We ran a thought that we did sort of a compilation of work that we'd done over, over about a year and a year and a half that we put under the umbrella of Here We Are with this amazing poet named Denise Froman. Oh, yeah. I saw it. It's great. It. Yeah. So it's a mix of people who are artists and producers, but also our, our own people at Twitter. It's something that we have so much pride in. So, you know, it's something that we're going to continue. And I always say, like, this platform isn't about me. It's about, it's about the women. Um, I wish I could put like every single woman on that stage and in that spot and that we could do this, you know, all over the world, you know, always um, because I think the power of it and what's possible is, is really palpable and the feedback has been amazing.
1: Wow. So incredible and and really well done. I did watch that and it's beautiful. It speaks volumes. So really appreciate your work there in putting it out there and addressing it, but not only addressing it, in a conversational way, but really taking action against it and creating a platform. So hats off. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, shoot, we are getting really close to being out of time, but I have at least two more things. Let's talk about the Twitter platform for a moment because I think what's happening right now, and, and I, I see this every day because I'm, I'm constantly in the, the platform, everyone's sampling and doing fun things and trying new things with Twitter. It's a really exciting time. I was just talking with Lee Applebaum a couple of days ago in Palm Springs. We were recording his podcast and, He was talking about how they've been doing some fun things with Twitter, sampling with uh, like the bot tender, you know, and for those people who don't know who Lee is, he's the CMO of Patron and and Grey Goose and people are getting super creative. It's really fun. Tell me about like what you're seeing and, and like some cool things that are happening.
0: Yeah. I think we're seeing exactly what you're saying, which is an openness and an informality, a sort of test and learn mentality, not taking it all so seriously especially, I we see this both on the human side, even in this trend with CMOs, just being more personal, more open, um, more honest, more real time, but also brands who are tweeting lots of different things, especially as they, they're trying to find their voice, but seeing what people say, seeing what people think. Things are moving really, really fast. And I think that, you know, there in the past had been, it sort of brings me back to my Amex days when we were almost paralyzed in fear about, wait, what, you know, what if someone tweets their credit card number, which by the way, nobody ever does. Nobody (laughs) ever did. Um, But you can, you can sometimes just be in analysis paralysis on something where we of course need to be mindful and sensitive and, um, you know, be able to, quote, you know, read the room and read the vibe, but you're not always going to get it right. And I think that once as a brand, as, as people, we just let that go and we do what's sort of like in our hearts and do what our instincts tell us, there's so much to be learned. And so I think as a result of that, Twitter is just getting a lot more fun and a lot more creative and a lot more interesting. Um, and so, yeah, we're seeing it across the board, lots of different big brands, small companies. And I, again, I'm, I'm just most excited even about what I'm seeing about just people, not just, you know, CEOs, CMOs, et cetera, but just people every day having just conversations in new and interesting ways. And I'm really excited about where our product is going. I think, I think Twitter is going to become a, p- a place where people just talk in public,
1: Yeah, it certainly is. And I had the great honor just a couple of weeks ago when we launched the new Innovators Series on Marketer Moves to feature someone from your team, uh, Dennis Tadisco, who is incredibly cool and very, very fun. Yes. uh, He is the community head at Niche, um, which is really helping to enroll and help creators share their stories. And he attributed all of this to you. So this is a good day to be able to talk to you, and to have read his story. And uh, so your leadership certainly is transforming the way we work with Twitter and the way we think about sponsorship in the, the broadest terms, but also in a very specific term. So thank you very much.
0: He is extremely kind of him. I will give him a hug. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it takes, this is a, this is a g- massive group effort. This company is amazing. The culture is amazing. And, you know, our people are really, really special. Um, we have this hashtag called that's goes that's called love where you work. The love runs deep. It's a very special place to be. Makes me want to come work for
1: you. Maybe one day hey, we're yeah. hiring. <laughs> All right, okay, we'll take that off. Like, no I'm cool. kidding. <laughs> cool.
0: Cool. It's a different type of conversation now. Oh my gosh.
1: Well, okay, Leslie, I will ask you just an open question because we are unfortunately we're out of time. But I'm going to let you share anything in the world that you want to share. Do you have a tip to share? an insight, something that you see is cool, it's happening, anything you want to share that you think other folks should be thinking about?
0: Yeah, I would say two things. One is keep it simple. And especially for, uh, you know, when we're talking in this new world that, you know, we've covered quite a bit in this conversation about how fast moving things are and how things are changing and evolving, just keeping it seep- simple, keeping the program simple, keeping the message simple, keeping your priorities simple. I think we need uh, this rigor around simplicity. And sometimes it's the hardest thing, right? Keeping it simple is not sometimes the most complicated effort and exercise to undertake. I think it is so, so important. And then the second piece of advice that I, I give, especially for um, you know people earlier in their careers, earlier in their journeys, is just get out of your head. I have this conversation often with women, but I think it is much more universal than that. I think that we all tend to get caught in our head and we overthink both as personally, as people, as friends, as parents, as spouses, as partners um, in our lives, in our careers, but also as companies. Sometimes you just got to go. Too often work that I see when when other companies are are looking and wrestling with different projects and and priorities gets stuck in the middle. And if they would just push it out the door, there would just be so much to be learned and gleaned. So I think it's, we need to get out of our collective heads. We need to be thoughtful, but we also need to just, to just go and move. Okay. Super helpful, very
1: sound advice and uh, agreed wholeheartedly. Leslie, it's been a real pleasure to have you with me today. Thank you so much for
0: sharing all your great tips and uh, your journey. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love this conversation and hopefully we'll talk very soon. Sounds great. Thanks.
1: ACAST powers the world's best
0: podcasts.
1: Here's a show that we recommend.